This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Captain Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. Let's make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Yes. Hello. Welcome to another edition of Engage. The official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman, and um, I'm very excited. I haven't been back in the studio. I haven't been back here on Deck 44 in a few weeks, and Brian is wearing a plaid shirt in my honor. <laughs> I was coming up in the just el- for you. I was coming up in the elevator. I'm like, I hope I get to see Brian in another plaid shirt. <laughs> and what was great is that I saw you in there when the other podcast was ending, and. Is I Seth is your boss, right? Yeah, Seth is my boss. Yes, Seth, and I see Seth even more rarely than I see you. Seth was in a plaid shirt too. Yes. So should Seth fall, you can carry his mantle. <laughs> Everyone that works here at Play.it. Well, I, I think I'm the pl- the the plaid shirt king around here because I do pretty much wear one every day. <laughs> Good for you. And I do constantly receive comments about it. Yeah, well, it's very becoming on you. You're very, very, well, thank you. very handsome gentleman. I want to I see you in a plaid suit someday. <laughs> it might be a bit much. Um, so I haven't been back here in a few weeks because uh, last week's show with Morgan Gendel, uh, and we were transparent about this, that was pre-recorded a few weeks ago. And because for two weeks in a row, um, we had uh, shows that we taped live on, on the, the seas, on the seven seas. At the st- on the Star Trek cruise, <laughs> and uh, one show which was the live show, which was bananas, where Terry Farrell, Denise Crosby, and of all people, Joe Piscopo stopped by, and the second one with Ethan Phillips. I had no idea that man could sing. Well, the jury's still out on that, but uh, he <laughs> he he can sing on a ship, you know. Yeah, he's, he's a good cruise entertainment. He does a great I, Springsteen. Well, I, I, he he did the the you know the Frank Sinatra esque yeah. sound. I, I was very impressed. He does a great Sinatra. He does a whole thing, and I got to tell you a story. Maybe 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 I'll save this for another time. But um, I helped punch up his set because he had like a late night set after we really? recorded that, and we were schmoozing. We were telling jokes. The next day, he's like, I was somewhere on deck, and someone's like, Piscopo wants you in the theater. I'm like, Joe Piscopo, all right, okay, I'll go say hi to him, star of Johnny Dangerously. And I go, hey, what's going on? He's on stage, he's rehearsing with his band. And he's like, okay, guys, take five. I'm like, hey, Joe, we met yesterday, what's going on? He's like, listen, I'm doing my set tonight, you know, and I got a whole Springsteen section, and I got a whole Sinatra section, and one of the Sinatra songs is Fly Me to the Moon. I figured there's got to be a Star Trek joke in that. (laughs) So I'm like, Joe, let's sit down for a second. Give me, give me your whole set. He's like, well, I do, uh, I do, I got you under my skin. I'm like, ah, 
like the neural neural parasites on Denova. Got you under my skin. So I gave him a couple of jokes that he used in the thing. So that was uh, show one. And show two, we had Ethan Phillips and Robert Ricardo, which was a lot of fun. They've been guests on the show before. But the one thing I wanted to mention was, and, and, and these are all, if you're looking at this on your iTunes app, just scroll down, you can hear these. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because I mentioned on the Morgan Gendel show, I said, I'm about to go on the Star Trek cruise. It's going to be me and 900 other Star Trek fans. Yeah. That is not an accurate number. Higher? Can you tell me how many Star Trek lunatics were on a boat we're, with nothing but the ocean around us? We'd have to swim to shore. Wow. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's a lot more than 900. So 2,200 people. Wow. <laughs> What's the capacity on these ships? I don't even know. 2,201. No, the <laughs> capacity was the large. There was a uh, you know a lot of people. You know, they, it was the Norwegian cruise uh, that's line. That's impressive. And they, um, you know, they serve you. They had when you go into the the banquet hall, the um, buffet. There was like a melon carved to look like a Klingon. Wow! So that's the type of thing. It was a lot of fun. Six nights. So, so I'm I'm bringing this all up as a as a. I'm not shilling for them exactly, but we had a lot of fun. And there are going to be two cruises in January 2018. Tickets are on sale. You can go to the website, and there are two cruises. It was such. Uh, they had such demand. Here in 2017, that they um, they're doing two next year, same show. They're mirroring it. They start in Miami, go around the Caribbean, and then this year that was it. it was done, one and done. Six nights, six days. You mentioned mirroring. I have to ask: Is, is <laughs> one evil? It's a mirror universe. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be kind of fantastic. No, no. So this time next year, 2018, it's um, they leave Miami, they go around, and they make ports a call. Like they're going to go to Belize and nice places next year, and they dump everybody off in Miami. Then they do it a second time. Oh, okay. And it's a new cast next year. George Takei is going to be the headliner. I did see he was the headliner, yeah. Uh, Frakes, who was not there this year. There'll be some repeats from, from 2017. So more on that as we get closer to January. But other exciting news is that we finally, finally, finally got a little bit of good news. A little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news about Star Trek Discovery. And I want to discuss that with our guest this week, a woman that I have known. She's outside. I haven't beamed her in yet, so we can talk about her like she's not in the room. I have known... Jill Pantosi from the internet for pretty much a decade. Pretty much a decade, but we've never actually met. Although one time I was in the same room with her and was going to go introduce myself, but she was surrounded by acolytes, and I said, I'm going to leave her alone. <laughs> so now I have her all to myself, but first, got to push the right button because I hear somebody at the door, and we're going to teleport. Oh my God, she's materializing before my eyes. Hello! Yay, I'm here. I made it safe. You, wait, are all your everybody? In the I room? think all my pieces are all right, together. Good, yes, you know Bones McCoy doesn't like that. <laughs> You've been materialized. Uh, it's very good to see you. Thank you, and you too. Uh, Jill Pantosi, the Nerdy Bird, whose blog uh, and website is called the Nerdy Blur, <laughs> Nerdy Blur, <laughs> the Nerdy and whose writing has been on the internet for, like I say, a decade or more, give or take, Almost, right? Almost, yeah. Yeah, uh, has written over the years for uh, for IGN, for Comic Book Resources, for Newsarama, for HitFix, and um, was also the editor-in-chief at the Mary Sue for a considerable amount of time, mm -hmm. X, X amount of years. Yeah. How many years did you put in the Mary Sue salt mine? Five? Yeah. Five, I think, yeah. Ooh, that's longer than the original series. <laughs> Not as long as, as Next Gen, but somewhere right in the middle, right in the sweet spot there. Well, it's great to have you here Yeah. on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. And your interests are all things uh, in the geek 
geekotainment sphere. Yeah, everything Star- geeky. Star Wars, Star Trek. I know you're a huge DC Comics fan. I am. Did, I am. Didn't you name your cat Dexter? I didn't. No, I was considering oh. it. But I do have a stuffed Dexter that I made for a cosplay that I did of a Red Lantern. Whoa! People listening that don't know who Dexter is, tell them who <laughs> Dexter is. It's a bit of a deep cut. Yeah. So Dexter was basically a regular orphan Earth cat um, who was filled with rage because he was mistreated. Uh, and He was. His owners abandoned him. They abandoned him, and he was in just like a little box or whatever, and, yeah. and it was terrible, and, and he was adorable, but he turned into a Red Lantern, which is the rage-filled you right. know, yeah. part of the course. So he's the cutest, cuddliest monster in the DC. Yes, and he vomits blood, like all the other Red Lanterns. <laughs> so that's a cat for you. I mean, cats vomit all over the place anyway, so yeah. it's perfect. Cats and podcasters, we vomit all over the place. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I thought so. You would consider. What did you end up naming the cat? Um, well, one we kept his name when we got him. That's just Dewey. But the other one we named um, Socrates, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Very good. They're very confused when we go to the vet. They're like so- Socrates. Right. We're like, no, no, no Socrates. How, is it S E W? No, we spell space? it the same. Oh, you spell yeah. it like Socrates. Yeah, just but... say it like they do in the movie. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Cool, but Star Trek is a big part of your world as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tell since me, I was a child. When yeah, what was your first encounter with uh, Star Trek? Uh, the original series um, through my mom because she was a big fan of it uh-huh. uh, when it was originally on, and then I caught it, of course, in repeats growing up with her. And uh, were you when you first saw TNG? Were you like part of that clan? It was like, eh, this is oh no, for I me. was all about next generation. You were all in straight yeah, from encounter because my my right. oldest brother by that point was even nerdier than I was, of course, and. Uh, <laughs> And he was big into that, so Wait, it got so into if you're the too. nerdy bird, is he like the nerdy buffalo or something? <laughs> what is what is he? No, no, he's actually he's he's pretty annoyed that when uh, our last name is Googled, I'm the first one that comes up <laughs> out of all my family. <laughs> awesome, take that. Um, cool. So you were in from the get go on TNG. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, because today we're going to talk about probably. Well, I would have to look at the list, but I think. If you look chronologically, the first perfect episode of TNG. I might be missing one or two, and I'm opening myself up to some debate. But before we get to that, though, there is some breaking news. Uh, There is some breaking news. Uh, Security alert to all decks. (laughs) Some breaking news. We finally got a little information about uh, uh, the new show, Discovery. The good news is that we got a little something. The bad news is that what had been delayed to May is now delayed till whatever. We don't really know. <laughs> it's ready when it's ready. Well, that's just the thing. Do you want it done right or do you want it done right now, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the idea. The new show, which originally was supposed to be on the air now, mm-hmm. late January of 2017, has been delayed, was delayed till May, and now they just they said, listen, let's not screw around. Let's wait. Yeah. How, what is your reaction to this? Are you, are you frustrated? Of course. Right. You know, I think maybe they just got ahead of themselves to begin with. You know, maybe they shouldn't have even said a general. Just say we're working on it. It's going to be in production soon. Right. We can't tell you any more than that. You know, and I think that that's enough for fans. They don't need the date right away. But once they put it out there, right. you get that expectation. And when you're not met, then there's disappointment. Right. Right. Because now we don't know if it's summer. Because um, I got to make plans, you know. I want to <laughs> right. go away in the summer, and I, I literally don't, you know. I can't be uh, on, a, on a overseas somewhere uh, if it's, it's episode six. That's when the really good stuff happens. So, 
I don't know. Uh, or it could be Christmas time, for all we know. We yeah, really maybe. don't know. But I do think, though, that in, if you look in the macro point of view, it's going to be a why were we, you know, who cares? If it's, do it when it's right. Yeah, if know? it's good, it's good. If it's good. Now, you probably are a Walking Dead fan, right? Yeah, I stopped a couple seasons ago because I was getting frustrated, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I read um, the first, I read some of the books, uh, like the first maybe, let's say five uh, trade paperbacks, four or five, but I never watched the show. So I'm not familiar with Soniqua Martin Green. Mm, yeah. But yeah. you are. She's good. Yeah. Okay. She's give me good. a give me a little insight on into her because I don't know Jack Squad about her. Other than what I watched um when they announced her name, I watched her uh some sort of pirated YouTube videos of her like at WonderCon at a panel. <laughs> I was like watching What? I was what I was like, who is this woman? Uh, Soniqua Martin Green, she's the star of the new Star Trek. I gotta find something on her. I was like, well, she's on Walking Dead. Ah, I don't watch that show. Yeah. So instead of watching Walking Dead like a normal person, I spent the whole night watching like from row 85, some weirdo with an iPhone taping a WonderCon house <laughs> so I can watch just like her be and talk about herself. And she seems wonderful. She right. seems like the nicest, warmest person. But yeah. Tell me about her character in Walking Dead. Um, so I, I stopped watching... Uh think just before she came on. Oh, she wasn't <laughs> from the first season. She no, she wasn't. Along. No, no, okay, she yeah. came on later. But um, from what I've seen of her and, and heard of her, she's, you know, more of the badass type, mm. you know. So I think she's going to bring a lot of strength, you know. Spunk fire and energy? Yeah, yeah. All right. Spunk fire and energy works for me. Um, because, you know, she's not the captain. That's what we know about her. She's mm-hmm. not the captain. She's making a journey through Starfleet. Her first captain probably is the character Michelle Yao is playing, and maybe there's some friction there. Maybe she gets like demoted, or maybe you know we don't know exactly. And because Yao's ship is called the something that starts with an S, I'll know it once I see it. <laughs> once the show's like out there, I'm going to be like knowing everything about this ship. But it's still new. Is but is it the, sh- the Shinzon? No, the Shin. Oh. It's close oh, no. to the Shinzon. Shinzon was Tom Hardy's character from Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> The cloned Picard. Uh, but it's it's like Shenzhou, I think. Yeah, I think that is right. Is it the Shenzhou? Okay. And her character's name is called Georgiou, uh, like the, uh, spelled uh, similar to the way most Romanian last names are spelled, mm. which is interesting because Michelle Yao is not Romanian, but in space, maybe she is. I don't know. <laughs> so um, that's about all we know. Yeah. So, uh, so this new character is gonna be is gonna be our person. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually between now and then, I guess watch her episodes on Walking Dead because God knows I'm not watching Star Trek Discovery yet. So that's <laughs> not out there. But we did see a little bit. We saw um, it was literally a minute. Yeah. The one minute video, which is floating around on the internet now, you can see it on our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash engage the official Star Trek podcast or you know anywhere. You'd probably see it on the nerdybird.com. I'm sure you have it embedded there and every other entertainment site out there. It is 60 seconds long, and of those 60 seconds, about maybe nine of them are devoted to new In stuff. Very quick flashes, too. Uh, what we see are art room sketches of the ship, mm-hmm. which was probably the Discovery, but maybe the Shenzhou. It's the one that we saw at Comic Con last year that kind of looks like. The one from Phase Two, which is like a sort of a triangular-looking ship, and looks like a looks like a bird of prey That's and the Enterprise, saying, Enterprise yeah. that had a little starship baby. <laughs> and then we saw another ship in like a um, digital display that kind of looked like the NX-01. It looked a little bit like the Enterprise from Enterprise. And then we saw some uniforms. They could be Klingon. They could be Romulan. They could be something new. 
they look like they had sort of like I don't know how, I don't know what, what, how would you describe it they sort of almost had like like feathers on them like metallic feathers yeah I don't maybe it's part part armor or something I don't know it's yeah. very interesting and then we saw the back of a guy's head <laughs> and I put it together that that was Doug Jones oh okay okay because he had a helmet on with a glowing green light okay well so that makes sense at first I thought it was like a breen like the Breen from DS9 were taking their helmets off. But I think because Doug Jones is playing a mocap character, mm-hmm. he had like a mocap yeah, yeah. thingamabob on his I head. I mean, Doug Jones is like an alien in real life, I believe. Like, well, maybe I that just was believe, his actual yes. form. We so were, maybe that's just behind the scenes, you know. Of him day to day to pretend yeah. to be human. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> Have you met Doug Jones? I have. He's given me a hug. He's like the nicest guy ever. Did he like, he's, is he like, he's huge. Yeah. He's like 11 feet tall. Yeah, yeah, so very like tall. Swoop. So he really had to like bend down. Kind of read, to get to read me. Richard style, just sort <laughs> yeah. of like, ooh, hello, person. <laughs> Um, but yeah, super nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never met him, but I've seen him at convention type places, and he does seem to be one with the fans, mm-hmm. you know, because he's got a weird spot in in sort of fandom because he is in all these shows and movies that people love, but he's rarely himself, right? So he can kind of be. It's kind of like Michael Dorn. I talked about this with Michael Dorn. He can walk around. In life, and nobody knows him. But when he orders a coffee, they're like, "I think that's Worf." Yeah, <laughs> I know that voice. <laughs> I know that voice. His voice isn't that deep. His voice is not quite Worf level deep. It's deep, but it's not Worf level. Have you ever watched Bravest Warriors animated series from Frederator? No. Um, you should because they do a lot of Star Trek references. But the latest episode, he did voice a alien character. It was pretty great. I was like, "Wait a second! Wait a second!" Michael Dorn did. Yeah. And was he the f- full on deep Dorn? It was, was not. It? Not completely, not death yeah, charge yeah. War, but enough war. that I I knew who it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, cool. So, of those eleven seconds, uh, any thoughts? Give me your feedback here as a as a uh, authentic geek uh, voice and personality of all things nerdy. What was your impressions of the eleven seconds we saw? I will say the thing that that left an impression on me was actually uh, seeing the sets being built. Presumably, the the you know. Right. the main set that they'll be on all the time because to me all I could think of is oh my god I want to walk onto that set <laughs> I want to be on that bridge immediately I don't even I don't even know what it looks like yet but I would I'd like if I was there right. and going oh my god I'm part of this new Star Trek this is this could be another huge thing you know yeah. and walking onto that set the first day I can't even imagine what these actors are going to be feeling yeah it's like the coolest plywood I've ever seen yeah it's like, <laughs> about this plywood is great so that's what's happening um, that is the news regarding uh, the new Star Trek. Set your faces on stun. All right, that's the news. The news is really, we don't have no news. We saw the back of uh, Doug Jones's earlobes. That's all we have right now. But we're waiting patiently, and it's going to be great. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Right now is roughly, I did the math on this, Jill, 28, the 28th anniversary of the episode Measure of a Man. What Which anniversary is that? Is that um, paper? <laughs> that's, or, the, um, uh... that's the Obsidian. That's the Obsidian <laughs> anniversary. Well, no, because I knew you were coming in. And I said, oh, what's going on this week in Star Trek? So I'm poking around on memoryalpha.org. 
And I said, oh, not today, nor the day when this launches, but like in a couple of days. Yeah, it's close enough. Close enough to the memorable 28th. 28 is a good year. Because people put too much emphasis on 25 and 30. Uh-huh. 28 is really when you're in the swing. I think when I was 28 years old, I was probably having a pretty good time. Yeah, 28 was a good year for me, too. Yeah. Now it's all downhill. Brian, when you turn 28, you're going to have a good 28, let me tell you. I'm, I'm well over. I'm well past that. <laughs> but you're such a handsome boy. I thought you were younger. Um, this was, as we well know, TNG, when it started, was wonderful. But there were some kinks in the road. You did not have too many back-to-back great episodes. You had some that were a little wobbly. Some might even say Encounter at Farpoint was a little wobbly. Some might say The Last Outpost was a little wobbly. The one where uh, Lieutenant Yar gets captured by the African planet it was an embarrassment. Um, but in time, season two, episode... Nine? Nine. Yeah, episode nine uh, was probably the first perfect episode of TNG. Because for me, anyhow, and you tell me if you agree, um, the idea of data as a living thing had kind of been rushed past. We're talking about Measure of a Man, by the way, which is the episode, if you don't remember, where Picard basically stands up for the right of data to be a sentient being, argues that data is alive, and says you can't prove otherwise, and they can't. Um, but it is a really, it's a gripping episode, it's funny at times, it's very touching, it's wonderfully written, and it has a really, really, really good performance by by everyone, but particularly Patrick Stewart. And I think part of the reasons, to the two reasons that it strikes me as being so great is, one, uh, the concept of data sentience had sort of been blown past a little bit. It was like, yeah, uh, we need to have a Spock character on this show. This time he's a robot, but he's like a super robot. In fact, we don't really know his origins. They're very mysterious. The Dr. Sung had some sort of lightning in a bottle. We can't reproduce the positronic brain, but he's alive. And and that's great. But they never really got into the nitty gritty, you know, like in short circuit. They said number five is alive because he got <laughs> struck by lightning and then he just bought it. Ali Sheedy agreed. Um, and so then there's that. And then there's the other thing, which is Patrick Stewart. And, you know, most television viewers and certainly myself when I was quite young didn't know Patrick Stewart from a hole in the wall. But for those who knew the British theater, he was a member of, of, of the royal whatever Shakespeare company he was part of. I don't know if it was the royal one or the other one. Uh, but he was on BBC. He was in I, Claudius. He played uh, Caligula's henchman, Sejanus, with a big curly wig. It's a, it's a marvel to see. He was a big deal, is what we're saying. He was a big deal to some, <laughs> yeah. to the public television snoots. But to us lowbrow slobs watching Star Trek, we didn't know. And I think that uh, there had always been inklings of his great acting prowess. But I think this is the first time on TNG in season two when he really got a script that he could sink his teeth teeth into and give a great performance. He has the full arc where it starts off where you think it's Picard having to deal with an ex-girlfriend, right? The judge is like, so he's like, oh, he's taking her out to dinner and they're doing this. They've got a past. Then he gets the problem with, with uh, Data and then he has to defend him and he gives some really, really great speeches and the way he delivers the speeches. I was doing my impression of them earlier and I can't do it justice, but... So Jill, you say that you watched this uh, last night again for the first time in a long time. Yeah. What was your What was your number one reaction having not seen it in many years? My, so my biggest thing was, I'd, I'd always, growing up watching it, it was like, oh, well Data's a unique creature, you right. know? Mm. Um, but I didn't think at that time in my life 
about how unique he was in fiction, you know? He was one of the more humanoid um, robots, you know, right. um, that we'd ever had in fiction. It wasn't a guy in a suit. It was an actual human playing him. So there was that part of it that made it more human. Um, but we didn't have this kind this was a new territory, I think, for TV especially. And then also the fact that while we know he was very unique in the universe, I started thinking it's actually really weird that they don't have any other lower robots they've got their computer they've got warp drive they've got all this technology and they don't use robots for anything else yeah that's a good point right like not even like mechanical arms and there's this guy who is trying to recreate data you would think he had worked on other things other artificial intelligence other regular robots and they're just not there yeah that's a really good point i never thought of that yeah commander maddox who's the the bad guy Who's a really interesting bad guy because what's well, he's a he's like a worm he's like a slimy worm yeah. he's brilliantly cast because he was like you just kind of want to punch him in the mouth a little bit but he's a lot of what he says is right mm-hmm. you know he's got a point which makes it even worse because you want to punch him in the mouth and then you're like ah but the guy's kind of right and he says some really true things like he's arguing that data is is not sentient and he's the property of Starfleet and he one of his great moments is he says to Picard oh you're letting what he looks like prejudice you prejudice your feelings you wouldn't feel this way about data if he was just a box with wheels mm-hmm. and that might be right because data looks human you know and he's he's fully functional as we know and he's got the arms and legs and everything but if he was just like some kind of weird thing yeah <laughs> you know amorphous blob or you know what would robots look like i mean now with robotics, they do. They have that like kind of creepy crawly thing that you see sometimes on, uh, you know, there's like that the army uses to defuse bombs and walk around. It kind of looks like a robo spider. You would never argue for the rights of that robo spider no. to live, but you or would, Johnny Five. Johnny Five at least had those big eyes, right, you know, so <laughs> windows into his metallic soul. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's it's one of his really good points. And but that's a really interesting thing about about um, Star Trek is that there are no. Other, I mean, there was Nomad, and then there was V'ger, but they were like, you know, Nomad was like a it looked like a like a one of like a soft serve ice cream machine yeah. floating around on on fishing wires. So uh, yeah, there are no other other robots. And then he even mentions, you know, because Data refuses to undergo treatment, and one of his arguments is if the computer aboard the uh, Enterprise refused a refit, would you allow that? And, and and then they go, well, no, you know, yeah. so they go, why are you allowing Data to refuse uh, to undergo this treatment? This guy Maddox wants to basically crack, if you haven't seen it in a while, he wants to crack Data open and see what makes him tick. And there's a good chance that he'll never be able to put him back together <laughs> right. again. That's, that's the real problem. Um, and then there's a secondary moral issue is like, why do you need to replicate so many Datas? What do you want to do? And this comes out of conversation with Guinan. Uh, where Picard realizes that the only good of having an army of datas is is for nefarious purposes, either warlike purposes or slavery. Uh, almost brings to mind the clone army from hmm. from Star Wars a little bit, and that's another cool scene. But um, yeah, what do you think of this Maddox guy? Right, I mean, he kind of is yeah. Well, a- it's funny because the the one thing that I uh, love about Star Trek over Star Wars is that it is very science based. It's very we have certain rules and this is how we operate and, and we want to explore and we want to, you know, learn new things. And so 
you can see it from his perspective. He's a scientist. He wants to, you know, go into new territory scientifically by creating these these things that have not been able to be replicated so far by anyone else. And so from that perspective, it's like, well, yes, of course. Why wouldn't a scientist want to pursue that, you know? But the fact that he is the only creature like that, well, you know, as far as data goes. Um, right. But, he, you know, if you ruin him, then that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, that's what come, the great ending is, you know, data understands that, too. And he even says at the end, uh, keep going with your work. And uh, when you figured it, you know, when you figured out a way to crack me open without killing me, give me a give me a buzz. Yeah. And data meant it. There meant it. There is later on in the series is a callback to Maddox uh, in the episode Data's Day when he's doing his thing. Um, he's corresponding with him. Right. You know, yeah, how's yeah. that positronic brain dump going over there, uh, Commander Maddox? And we don't hear back. But there's a funny line that you know, watching this again now, and I hate to get political, but that's what Star Trek <laughs> is about. There was a line that Maddox said, and I wrote it down, and I'm going to get you the exact quote, um, because uh, you'll see this now. You'll see, and I'm going to be, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be neutral here and say there are, so, you know, there's the issue of uh, LGBT rights, and some argue that uh, they are being discriminated against in their religious beliefs in having to cater to people that they don't agree with. The classic example being the baker who doesn't want to make a cake right. for a gay marriage. And that I've always found to be um, notable, interesting. I'll leave it at that. But here's what Maddox says. And this was written in 1988 and is set in centuries from now. And it seems like right out of the headlines. Uh, Data is a Starfleet. Elizabeth Hart. Data, said, Data is a Starfleet officer. He has certain rights. Maddox, who is... The, an associate at the Daystrom Institute in Robotics, he's one of the most important robotics minds in all of, of the Federation, says, angrily, rights, rights. I'm sick to death of hearing about rights. What about my right not to have my life's work subverted by blind ignorance? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Ted, yeah. Ted shit, I remember man. that one. Yeah, when I was watching it last night, that did strike a chord for current times. Yeah, yeah, because, um, you know, he sort of got a little bit of a point, right? And and the, 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 the bigoted baker who doesn't want to make a pie for a cake for the... Um, the other people, they you know, you know, I mean, go get your cake somewhere else. I mean, there is, you know, there's a. That's what's annoying about the world is that nothing is in black and white. <laughs> Everybody has a little bit of a point, right? So, um, yeah. So that struck you also, then? Yeah, it did. And 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 just to the you know, the larger issue that they were trying to make, or the larger point they were trying to make, especially with Guinan and and saying like, once you have more than one data, it's a race. This is for lack of a better word, a people, you know, yeah. like this is a group that even though they're not quite like you has all of the same, you know, qualities as you pretty much. So like, what is the difference? Where do you differentiate? And, right. and that sort of thing. And that really struck me also as far as where we are now technology wise, because when this episode came out, I never... I mean, I would imagine or dream that we would be in a place where we had 
this kind of technology but we are now like i have alexa in my house and i speak to her like she's a person and i sometimes feel bad when i'm saying stuff about artificial intelligence (laughs) in my house and i worry that she's going to someday take over you know the world and kill me but like that's why i love these kinds of stories because obviously now we're at the point where we are so much closer to that yeah it's still way a ways away but it's not that far you know and we were talking about this on the episode that uh, Dr. Annalee Newitz was on, uh, we talked about um, well, Westworld a little bit, mm. and you know where where does um, which I totally stopped watching. By the way, really? I, it's, I, it's a great show to talk about, but it's so boring to it's watch. It's slow, so boring. I'm, I maybe have ADHD or something, but I, I stopped it. I'll get back to it. But um, the uh, concept of you know what, what if, if humans are really our brains are just you know, uh, we respond to different stimuli, and that's what data does. Why are we any more alive than data? Well, because our parents made it, and we uh, were grown in a womb, and then we came out uh, the, the the way we do. Um, and data was made in a lab. But of course, Star Trek gives itself a nice out, because he was made in Dr. Sung's magic lab, right. and we don't know what happened in there. But but and the same thing with the with the holograph holographic doctor from Voyager. You know, mm. he was a hologram, but then he gave himself special subroutines, and Harry Kim tinkered with him. We don't know what happened exactly. But putting that aside for a moment, uh, yes, eventually we'll have a robot that's indistinguishable from from a human. Yeah. What and it's it's going to happen. What the f are we going to do then? It and it worries me because we've had so many fictional stories written about it already right and they all go terribly <laughs> we either use them yeah. as as sex dolls basically right. or they wind up killing us because we do treat them badly yeah there's never a happy ending and um also we also have all of recorded human history where humans have by and large for the most part treated one another terribly right there are a couple of bright spots don't get me wrong you know i like halloween Everybody's real nice to each other on Halloween. You dress up in a cool costume, you get a little baby Ruth. I mean, that's one of our real, that's a strong suit. But you're right. And, and, and Picard even says this. He says at the end of the episode, when he's pointing to Maddox, he said, because he's talking to the judge now, his ex-girlfriend, by the way, which is a nice little touch, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of tension between the two of them. <laughs> and then we never hear from her again. Um, he says, he's going to figure it out, pointing to Maddox. And if it isn't him, it's going to be the next guy. So we got to figure out now what we're going to do about this. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, science fiction writers have, there's a whole school of episodes like this uh, uh, Measure of a Man and others that are that are warning us. But I don't know. Do you think? Uh, we don't We don't listen to anything. We don't <laughs> remember history. I mean, we're, we're seeing that right now. Uh, we have very short memories and we don't heed warnings clear warnings that are in our face you know every day so i mean i know that if within my lifetime i get to see the evolution of that sort of technology um i'm i'm just saying right now that i i love artificial intelligence and and they are my friends and (laughs) please do not murder me murder me horribly this is on the record you know they'll remember it (laughs) there yeah they're hearing it now i mean obviously it's saved digitally um another cool thing about this episode by the way because it's still early in in the production of tng and we forget that the beginning of TNG was it was still an 80s show it wasn't a 90s show right. yet so when Maddox first comes on the bridge and he's like 
hello data there's like this music cue of like <laughs> synth guitar it's like, it's like oh my god what is that it's like neil sean from journey just showed up and was like doing these licks in the back so that was something that really struck me and then the other part is like on data's going away party right because before he knows he can't be um there's a moment where he's like well you know what i'm just gonna quit starfleet and mm-hmm. then the 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 punchline is, well, guess what? You can't. Your property is Starfleet. So before he does, he's like, I'm quitting Starfleet. So they have a little going away party for him at 10 forward, and everybody's there. Even Dr. Pulaski is there. But Jordy LaForge isn't there. Data's best pal. He's like off to the side being all <laughs> depressed. <laughs> and I, re- I thought about it at that point. I'm like, wait, how much friendship, how much stuff did they play around with early on with those two? And I couldn't really remember, but I was like, wow, they're actually like... They talked, obviously, they showed that when he was, um, when Data was packing and everything, and he was gathering mementos yeah. of his friendships. Right. You a know? Key, a key plot point yeah. in the big reveal at the end. <laughs> um, so the fact that, like, uh, well, Jordy's like upset and he doesn't want to talk about it. And then they co- they kind of drop it very soon before he gets too, like, emotional. Well, it's like almost like Saved by the Bell level. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not, th- in an episode that's so wonderful, it's not the best part of the show because yeah. it's like, it's almost like Lever to Beaver. It's almost like, oh, gee whiz. <laughs> gee whiz, Data, you really gotta go. Yeah. And poor LeVar Burton, he's a great actor and, and he's just a wonderful dude and he's gotta wear the thing on his face and he's like, I, he, when he saw that script that day, he was, he's, just, he's really like mopey and Data, Data's like, uh, you don't wanna join in the fun? Like, we're, we're having cake in the next room. Yeah. He's like, oh, I don't know, Data, I'm real sad right now. Yeah. It is... Uh, it, it made me it made me laugh out loud. Let's put it that way. But that, that was the other part of the um, the argument that I that I liked too, where it was like uh, I think they were talking about Jordy when they were like, "Well, oh, his eyes are technically much better than everybody else's." Yeah. Why doesn't everybody get their eyes made to be like his? That's you know, right? That was, was a like, nice oh. was a nice burn. <laughs> that, was, that was that was Data actually telling yeah. Picard that. And you know, when it comes from Data, he's not trying to be. Dickish yeah. about it. He's just like asking questions. He's like, if if Jordy's this is logical. eyes are better, yeah. And Picard had no answer. You know, he's like, well, I want to thank you very much. I'm going to keep my eyes. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of rich meat in in this. Um, I had some other notes here. What were my other notes? Um, there was just a lot of good turns of phrase. Now, the woman who wrote this was a. Um, this was the first thing she'd done. And uh, she was a, a therapist or a doctor, or it was Melinda Snodgrass, I believe. And um, when she it was a spec script, right? Yeah, because there was the writer strike. <clears throat> yes, yeah, which is um, worked out really well for Star Trek that there was a writer strike because they got they got this out of it. But <laughs> they also got the worst episode of Next Generation out of it because they were uh, they were um, they were uh, short one. So they did the clips episode, mm-hmm. which yeah, is the yeah, worst, yeah. the worst episode yeah. in all of Star Trek. Where they did the, where he's on the gurney remembering scenes. But there's this wonderful exchange when Maddox, who calls Data it the whole time, which is just so, just such a prickish move, you know. <laughs> he calls Data it, and he barges into his quarters. Doesn't even ring the bell mm. because you would do that. Like if you had a ro- like a, you don't if you have a Roomba. And his Roomba is vacuuming up your carpet and you're half nude, you're not going to put your clothes on when the Roomba's there because you treat it like a machine. So this guy Maddox, who's kind of obsessed with data and fascinated by him and wants to learn by him, still doesn't think of him as anything other than a piece of equipment. Um, and he's, sa- he's trying to assuage 
Data's worries, and he's saying, don't worry, we're going to get all of your experiences, we're going to dump them into this mainframe. And Data's like, what are you talking about? Because those are my memories, it's not going to be the same. And the guy's like, what do you mean? It's just, it's just, you know, bits, you know, zeros and ones. And Data says, and I thought this was really well written, he says, uh, that while I believe it is possible to download the information contained in the positronic brain, I do not think you've acquired the expertise necessary to preserve the essence of those experiences. There is an ineffable quality to memory, which I do not believe can survive the procedure. And this is like, this is like, you know, you go to a philosophy class at a right. university, and this is the same type of stuff. It's heavy duty. I watched this when I was ten. I'm impressed with myself that I was able to follow <laughs> this when this came out. You yeah. Know? Well, well, it's interesting that now that you're saying that, I'm wondering if I mean, and granted, this wouldn't have worked for the show, but it, if Maddox would have benefited from working with Data, just working with him on a daily basis, and actually seeing how he progresses, how he learns, you know, what he's actually like, instead of just grabbing him so he could take him apart, you know? Right, if he became friends with him. But then, but he would have these internal debates at night saying, no, 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 you're falling for it. If it was a box with wheels, you wouldn't feel that way. But, right. you know, familiarity with, with with any group you don't know, when you get to know them better, it's, it's you, uh, you know, it's like, uh, why, do, why are all the immigration ban uh, people who are really supporting it live in places where there are, are, is not much cultural diversity. Right. You know, if you don't live and work with these people, you're, you're not going to give a crap about their well-being. As a general rule, you know, to generalize, but really I'm right. But as a general <laughs> rule, uh, that's kind of a, a, a rule of the thing. So, you know, had Maddox lived in Queens and New York, he wouldn't be voting for Trump. Right. So uh, <laughs> it always comes back to that. Well, last, last few weeks anyway. It's been rough. It's been a rough <laughs> few weeks. It's been a rough few weeks. Um yeah, so I was really happy to watch it again. I watched it last night for the first time in a long time, and um, it uh, there's just it's just rich stuff. There's like a lot going on in there. There really is. And then um, I was reminded because I was looking it up uh, on the internet. There was a later um, episode where um, they want to uh, they're on some planet and they want to eradicate these little uh, space bugs that are in the works of some other planets defense system and then they realize that they're alive mm. <clears throat> and then data the laforge doesn't want to do it and data doesn't want to do it and data confronts picard and says i can't do it you once fought for me i'm now going to fight for these guys right so, it's heavy stuff it is heavy stuff <laughs> and it's it, it really makes you think you know it really does as far as where we're going and who we are and i mean you see polls all the time about if there were robots would you have sex with them? And it's almost—it's like ninety percent yes, almost all the time, you know. And it's like, <sighs> I just—I just do a thing with my wife where I get her to talk in a voice like this, and then it's—that's fine. And Not I'm, everyone has that good a relationship, Jordan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put this colander on your head and wrap yourself in aluminum foil. Um, would you have sex with a robot? Well, look. But but yeah. not just would you have sex, but. They have to consent just like any other person, not just using it to use it. Well, then that's what that gets to the tipping point. Like, right, like today's robotics, like they have, so I'm told there well. are, there are sex, there are <laughs> right. sex dolls. There's re- dolls, yeah. Real yeah, yeah. dolls yeah. made from whatever 
and I, I don't judge anyone who has a real doll in their basement next to the radiator or anything, but um, you know they're they're a thing, and and you wouldn't think twice about the, the doll's rights, and then right. you you start putting a little chip, like a little Teddy Ruxpin chip, oh, and your real oh, doll, that's a horrible thought. And then your real doll can talk, right, yeah. and say, oh, it is, it, you are so good, oh, oh, right there. So that's fine. But then where it's like a, you know, it's one of these things where when you're confronted with it, when you meet data, you go, no, this is a thing. But if you're watching the progression, it was my real doll with the Teddy Ruxpin. And then it got to a thing where I had like Siri or Alexa where it could kind of anticipate. Yeah. So there needs to be, well, there's, that's what it is. It's the Turing test, right? Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. it's all about. So the Turing test, will, will this is really Turing test for sex doll purposes, I think is what it should be, right? I was definitely thinking about Ex Machina, too, while watching this, too, just because oh that's a God. recent, amazing yeah. look at this same kind of thing, you know? Right, Keeping right. someone captive who very clearly had self-awareness and, you know. Right, right. Because let's, all right, all right, so let's call it the, 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 the tipping point moment, what, the Turing moment, if you will. If you know, if you're a designer, robotics designer, pervert, whatever you want to call it, and you are very aware of that the, the line is here, and you're keeping your programming X amount of stops prior to that tipping point, you know that you're doing it. Is, is it then immoral to have a pre-Turing sex doll? Because I would say no. I mean, it might be weird, but who am I to judge? Right, right. But it's not, I personally don't think it's immoral to have sex with a sex doll that, that can fake talking. Right. But then when it gets really, really close is when it gets kind of hairy. Yeah. Hey, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years we actually had to have like a legal law about the Turing test and how things had to right. pass it or not in order to have this these rights. You yeah. know, we won't have clean drinking water, no. but we'll have that law. We'll you have know? to Our breathe legisl- in masks. And, uh, <laughs> but hey, we will have sex with robots. Um, well, I mean, because it's, you know, I don't know. I, I get, you know, it, it might. It, <laughs> if there were if there were readily available sex robots um it would uh, probably uh reduce the amount i sound like some weirdo right now but it would reduce the amount of um sex trafficking Mm. because it would be you know there are some people you know easier one thing um so that would be good (laughs) that's all i got pros and cons that's all i got have you watched um the show Humans that's on AMC. No, um, it's a remake. I, th- I want to say of a Swedish show. I might yeah, have it's that wrong. The Swedes, yeah. But um, they they had one season here in, in the U.S. They're doing one more that's going to be starting. I think next th- what the week that this is on. Um, really, really good look at it. It's it's they have been created. They are used for they like live in your home kind of like a, a helper you know mm. to, to help with your kids when they're coming home from school to make dinner to do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but a few of them out of all the there's like millions of them in the world start to have self-awareness and so those are the ones that start to say you know either they have to go in hiding because they don't want to be found and then completely wiped or mm. they have to pretend and they're in a home where there are people who think they're just a regular right. robot they have to switch it off and then you know find out later on that they're not and then the people there are like oh my god i was I was treating you horribly and you actually have a conscious and oh. you know all this kind of stuff it's really really good stuff yeah. um but the fact that there are so many of them in the world makes it problematic when these that do have self-awareness want to spread their self-awareness and make they it so that all of them the have it a little bit yeah yeah 
Wow. See, this is what it is. When these scientists are going to build these robots, they always think that it's smart to have them um, self-educate and to learn. Like, you know, Siri does this. If you if you say, you know, or all your Google apps do, when, yeah. you, when you ask for enough Mexican restaurants, it, it gives you ads for Mexican restaurants. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it learns from things. They got to they gotta cut that short. Because if they cut that short, then they won't have that moment where they switch into a self-aware thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my prevention. That would be my bill to put before Congress <laughs> so we can save ourselves from Start the robots. Start running now. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Uh, so you, but you think that that this is this is definitely coming. This is not cyber. Yeah, this is not. No, you know. not anymore. Not at this point. Not with what we have right now. You know, who knows how how long it will take? Like I said, I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime or not. Uh-huh. But I mean, look at some of the stuff that Japan has. The robots that they have. No, they look freaky. Granted, yeah. but some of the ones that they they put, uh, you know, sort of fake skin on and they you, they show yeah, close ups in the yeah. mouth. I think there was one. Um, made to resemble Scarlett Johansson like last year or something that really freaked people out because they were like, that's not cool, man. Don't make your robot that you are now living with look like Scarlett Johansson. No, that was just the movie Under Her Skin. It was very mannered (laughs) performance. It was intentional. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, No, I did see that. They did have a Scarlett Johansson. And and how do you think that makes Scarlett Johansson feel? Where are are her rights? Exactly, yeah. I mean, my gosh. so. So yeah, I just think it's something that we need to all even if it's just on a personal level seriously consider where your moral line is for right because I, I think a lot of people really I, I hate to be so so negative but i think a lot of people would mistreat the robots like yeah. they do on west where they go on a killing spree and even if you said no no they're sentient they would do like maddox and say you just think that yeah because they would never get past the point of we built it it was a bunch of circuits and wires and 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 rubber and what and we put it together yeah so we can't create quote-unquote life because that's something that only god can do and i think maybe it it might be a religious issue for some people like maybe some people who are more religious might think that man could never do something that had heretofore only been in the the, the hands of of a deity right what do you think about that? I think so, for sure. But I also think that there'll be some of the intelligence who might be interested in religion, too, you know, right. from a, a standpoint of like, well, this is something that um, my brain, my technological brain can't really wrap my head around because it's not science. It's not, you know, this and that. But there's all these people that believe it. So it must be something that I need to look into, oh. you know, and would those would the people in whatever you know religion welcome that kind of thing or not? So you're suggesting a possible religious renaissance of overly scientific and technological people that once they reach a point where they can create what is by all measurable uh, effects life would make them more religious. Whoa. I might be thinking about this too much. But no, but I like that. That was that's an unexpected twist. That's that's damn near Shyamalani is oh, what you just did thank there. You, that thank was great. You. I like that. You got to work on that script. All right, all right. Work on that one. All right, cool. Well, I think we cracked the code. That's pretty good. So, um, so was this one of your favorite episodes? You yeah, think? yeah. You, Thinking back, I mean, I, I feel like uh, later seasons, there's more that are that are you know my favorites, but um, in the early seasons for sure, this yeah. was a favorite. Who's your favorite TNG character? You know, it would probably be Data. Yeah? Yeah. If not Picard, 
just because Picard's Picard awesome. Is, a, is Picard the best captain? <sighs> yes. He is. I agree. He's a great. <laughs> he's a great leader. And he's he's uh, and I it in no way besmirches my other beloved captains, but I think uh, I think Picard is the best. But you know, it, twice now we've done a thing at the conventions where we do a live um, gig, and we try to put together like Dream Team, the perfect uh, perfect crew. Mm. We involved the audience, and we did it here at the Javits Center. There were a lot of people there. There were hundreds and hundreds of people. And we tried to put together, you know, who's the best engineer? Is the first doctor, best first officer, blah, blah, blah. And both times, we did it in Las Vegas and we did it in New York. We didn't tell one another. Both times, uh, Janeway was the captain. Interesting. Yeah, because we were putting together a best of, and there were a lot of diverse personalities. Mm. And Janeway is the best glue. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, She's I the could best see that. Glue. I mean, think about Voyager. She united the Maquis and the Federation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and also the other reason was there's two reasons why it worked both times. She's the best glue, and also everyone agreed that Spock is the best first officer. <laughs> no disrespect to Riker or any of the others. Or, or Riker or gets Kira. too distracted by the ladies to be the best first he's officer. Very, he's great in this episode, <laughs> measuring the first time he's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the first poker game. Mm-hmm. He's got the beard. He's really got the the beard. Finally, <laughs> really the roots sunk his into real his power. jowls. Yeah, and he's playing. Um, uh, poker with uh, Dr. Pulaski and Data's got the stupid advisor, advisor on yeah. with no strap. no straps. <laughs> it was just glued on. How, I how think. did he do that? <laughs> coming out of his positronic brain, and uh, and Jordy's there, and I think that was it. I think it's just them. Yeah. Chief O'Brien too. Oh, Chief O'Brien! Oh, right. Yeah, he kicked him out of the seat. Yeah, yeah. Early Chief, early Chief O'Brien appearance. Yeah, um, and uh, da- you know Riker bluffs a flush on him, and Riker and Data's just his mind is blown. <clears throat> which is great because then he argues later mm-hmm. that you can read all you want about poker but until you play it you yeah. don't know which is true like try read you open up a new board game you read the instructions you go what the hell and the yeah, guy's like just yeah. gotta play it you'll figure it out and that's that's true so um, yeah Riker's the best but Spock is the best right I mean Spock is Star Trek you know Spock is Spock so you need to have Spock as the first officer that's a non-negotiable even though I love Kira and I love Riker and I love T'Pol I love all of them um then you start to talk about Picard is probably the best captain, but Picard and Spock, that's too... Yeah, yeah. You need chocolate you and vanilla. Right, you know, you right. need the blend, which is why they made Riker to go against Picard, because mm-hmm. they're both... Picard's very logical, and Riker's more emotional. So then it kicks uh, Picard out, and then Jane Weiss lines in. Okay. That happened twice. So that's behind the scenes. Brian, you were there to witness that, weren't you? No, I, I don't. Th- I don't think we did the. That's not the one we recorded. Um, we well, recorded. No, you know what? Is someone else? Somebody, somebody else, else recorded. recorded which yeah, is why the mi- why the mics are all bad. <laughs> all the levels are wrong. I did a lot of work on that one. Yeah. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I'm just saying. No, that. you did. You did. It was a mess. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So Picard is your favorite captain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I think Picard is literally, like, uh, you know, the think you think about leaders world leaders i mean what they could learn from picard you know all of them even the good world leaders could still learn from picard so it's exci- it's good i'm glad that he's out there on on uh, on dvd we can at least watch them welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it Welcome back to Engage. Engage. The 
official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. Uh, Jill, you've got on your website, you have a Patreon. I do. Uh, yes. If you go to the nerdybird.com, it's probably right up there on the top. It is, yeah, because I have no ads on my site, so patreon supported all the way really no yeah. ads at all Mm-mm. nothing i mean you know what do you really get from ads unless you're getting a, an ad campaign that's going to give you like thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. and that, you sex need... you know, ads for some sex robots yeah. and you start making some money there I think. well you know i just found out that um discus which is the commenting system i use the you could choose to have ads or not so i always said no because i wanted to keep it clean or whatever yeah um and now they're going to kind of force it on you unless you want to pay $10 a month as a subscription to get rid of them, which kind of feels like blackmail to well, me. You have to pay them. Yeah. Wow. So I'm going to see what it looks what like. What are the discus ads? I mean, I've seen discus Yeah, I don't know. I haven't sites. seen it. So we'll see if it's too intrusive. I'll, I'll, I'll pony up the money. It probably is down on the bottom. It's probably I not. hope so. Okay. Yeah. But either way, yeah. So no ads. The site's very clean. It looks really nice. Um, my friend at 801 Red designed it for me and he's nice. awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, your, it's your destination for all things... Um, Pop culture, nerd, uh, geek, Star Trek, Star Wars, DC Comics, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, everything, the whole, the whole thing, <laughs> except anime because I just I'm not into that. And um, what's the big show that you're looking forward to? We're getting into spring now. What mm-hmm. are some of the big films? We got the King Kong movie coming out soon. Not too excited about that one. Never, never was a King Kong. Uh person i'm sorry giant did monkey. i personally offend you um well, let's no. back it up a minute giant monkey <laughs> and uh john c Riley. okay i fair fair <laughs> um wonder woman is what i'm really looking forward oh, to yeah. wise um, i think it's gonna be good i'm just i'm i there is nothing that has had so much pressure on it since Hillary Clinton running for the, for the president <laughs> of the united states and i don't say that lightly because this is just such a a make it or break it kind of thing, and I'm I'm totally on board with Gal Gadot. I'm yeah. totally on board with Patty Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just uh, you're forgetting who plays Wonder Woman's boyfriend. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's perfect role for Chris Pine. <laughs> I yeah, I, I, think I guess he's I'm handsome. I'm, oh, you're not into Chris Pine. No, no. But this is the Star Trek podcast. You I know. know, he's just you don't like Chris Pine. Mm-mm. First of all, he's very handsome. He is. I, I I totally understand why people are into him, but he yeah. does nothing for me. Really? Yeah. Whoa! Wait. This. Hold on. Hold, <laughs> let me push a button for this one. Fascinating. I don't. You're telling me you're not into him as an actor. Yeah, he's fine as an actor. I just. Oh, just he's not your type. Yeah, and all for right. someone to play to me is obviously an iconic love interest for for Wonder yeah. Woman. I was hoping for someone that would, I don't know, be a, a little different, a little not classic leading man maybe. I don't know. Right. Well, he's getting, Chris Pine tends to play cocky. Yeah. So they're going to make him cocky in this. Yeah. Which is not always the way the character is played. It's kind of, but you know, it is a little bit of a tabula rasa. Most people don't know the full Wonder Woman lore. They know right. her as third banana to Superman and uh, Batman. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman shows up. Uh, which is kind of how it was in Batman v Superman: <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Which, she was the best part of that movie. Oh, with, without question. With, not only was she the best part of the movie, the part where she shows up at the end, where they're battling, ugh, God, I was so stupid. Whatever the hell they were battling, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> the cave troll. Cave troll, because he thought he could control it because he because is, of reasons. Oh my God! So um, <laughs> there's the part where she shows up, and then she's knocked down. 
and then she gets up again and she gives like a wink and then there's like this guitar like yeah the riff oh it's such a good the theme best. for her it's the best part of that and she loves movie. it because you could see her she's just having so much fun and I'm like that that is what I love out of my DC superheroes yeah. I love to see them having fun yeah yeah um, I think it's going to be very good. The trailers have been two now, right? Teaser and then yeah. the full trailer have both been great. And both, and I think Jenkins is to be co- commended for this, uh, really embraces the, the iconography of what we expect. Like they're, If you go and watch the trailer, as one can no doubt do on the nerdybird.com, yes. and hit pause and blow it up. 1080 Oh yeah, IP. I took like tons of screen caps after the first one because yeah. I was like, there's so much in here. There are just moments that look like great comics panels. Yeah. And that is something that unfortunately some of the other DC movies missed out on, I yeah. think. So yeah, she is the best part of that. I mean, there was one or two other good moments in Batman v Superman, but not really. It was, the more <laughs> I think, which, and I did not like Suicide Squad either. I just finally saw I didn't see that one in theaters because I just was like, I can't. It's so uh, I finally rented it. And it, because of how it had been talked about so badly for so long, yeah. I didn't think it was as bad well, as everyone said. You know, so I was kind of like, oh, okay. Suicide Squad is awful, but it's still better than Batman v Superman. Um, Margot Robbie was an awesome Harley. Yeah, And I'm very great. looking forward to seeing her do more of that character. She was great. She kind of got it. I mean, she wasn't full on Mr. J, but she was yeah. pretty good. Um, and it, it, it just the story was completely asinine. And it, it starts a, a bit of a mess, It starts yeah. 25 times. Every dumb classic rock song you've ever heard. But it had at least a little bit of pizzazz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, idiotic pizzazz, but a little bit of pizzazz. But, but it's funny because, and you know, everybody the real big DC movie fans are just like out of control and won't let you say anything bad about them whatsoever. Like I am a huge DC fan. I know when they screw it up, you know? (laughs) Um, But when you, when you posit something like Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy, it just, you can't, you can't compare it. And that is exactly the kind of mood that should have been replicated. You know, I don't want them to copy it, but like yeah. that's what you're going for. These characters that are wacky and and some of them are bad and you know and that sort of thing. And yeah. so when you compare it, it's kind of like, oh, they could have done so much better. Oh yeah, Gal- I mean, listen, I Galaxy of the Guardians is, is so much better than Suicide Squad, and you're right. I mean, both of them were, and they're also lower. Like there aren't comics fans knows these characters, right, but. Right. Uh, Nobody heard a Groot. Most people never heard a Groot before the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. us weirdos did, but <laughs> yeah. It, it uh, so so Wonder Woman's where it's at. I think the Justice League has the potential to be oh, to be good. I'm hoping. I mean, if it doesn't fall under its own weight, I don't know. Momoa as Aquaman is kind of cool. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wor- mostly I'm worried about how uh, the underwater stuff is actually going to be done because I've never seen a right. film where. Cr- characters are talking underwater that looks no, normal don't hold your breath um <laughs> that is a good question i don't know how the sign language i don't know or that, maybe they'll have just not as much time underwater is which, that is that know. this year or that's next year next year if next not year. even after because i think we have oh a few God. others to so go so wonder woman is this may or june right yeah that one's coming up there's like and thor is this year three right? yeah there's guardians of the galaxy 2 black right. panther no not no, black panther yet yeah, there's another now. one in between that I am forgetting. I think Thor is this year. And then Thor in November, yeah. And that's going to be great. I'm excited for because that one. Because all... You're forgetting Logan. 
as well. Yeah. Oh, well, that doesn't... It, it doesn't count. I'm actually excited about no, that. No, I am, I am very, it's too, fine. yeah, but it doesn't mi- mix with the uh, yeah. I, universe. Somehow, Jill and I both understand immediately that it doesn't count. <laughs> not that it's going to be bad. It's because it's not part of the real Marvel universe. It's this weird five Did you, did you Spider-Man see? is the one you're forgetting about then. Oh, Spider-Man Homecoming. That's All right, right. That's right. Yeah, that has the potential to be good. Um, that has the potential to be pretty good, actually. Uh, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think I'm not a big Spider-Man fan in general, and I kind of hate that they've rebooted it so many times. But at least he is now yeah. in the Marvel Universe. In, and, hopefully. and I think that the kid is going to be really good. He seems very good, yeah. And they have like every young actor and actress. There's in a it. lot of people in this movie in general. Like yeah. every time they had a casting announcement, I was like, okay, can yeah. we take it down a it notch? It was funny. Like I was just, you know, I, I, I went to Sundance and I saw a lot of independent movies. I'm like, oh, this young actress is very good. Oh, who the heck is he? Ah, she's in the new Spider-Man. They all are. <laughs> yeah. They're all in the new Spider-Man. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I think the one to watch is going to be Thor Part 3. Yeah. I mean, Taika Waititi is right. just like the best. This guy is an X Factor and all eyes are off Thor. They kind of they they don't make as much money as the other ones and there's not much at stake because it's not introducing a new character. Black right. Panther is important because they're introducing a new character and it's the first African American uh or not African American, Afri- African African yeah. period character. Um, and then Captain Marvel's going to be big because it's the first woman in the lead and it's new and then she's an Oscar winner and blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's her name? Brie Larson. So that's going to be big. Thor is part three. The budget's going to be a little bit lower because they know the returns aren't as big. They're kind of leaving it alone. I call this the DS9 factor. <laughs> okay. This is why DS9 was so great because the TNG movies were happening at the time and it was really expensive and mm. they had all eyes on that, a lot of money at stake and they were tweaking the hell out of Voyager because they had trouble getting the first season of Voyager right. They kept messing up with Kate Mulgrew's hair. They were It was a big, big mess and DS9 was in the sweet spot where it made enough money, they left it the hell alone and that is when DS9 became wonderful. Yeah. So if you're a betting person, bet on, bet on Thor 3 this year for being the best superhero movie of the year. <laughs> That's my speech. <laughs> Although, but it, hopefully it's Wonder Woman. Because I love Gal Gadot. She's yeah. great. She hasn't ever been a leading person in a film. No. Um, she certainly has vivaciousness and spunk Did, did and you attitude. see also, though, on the nerdybird.com, there's a Super Bowl ad that she's in with Jason Statham. Oh, I love that guy. And it's it's an action commercial, the both of them just kicking butt. It's amazing. And I was like, I know she's been in Fast and Furious or whatever, which one of those, but... Um, I would love to see both of them just yeah. headline their what own are action they, Is film. it for a car commercial? It's or? for no, it's for a um, website something or other, some web development. Clearly, thing. it did the job because no, you don't funny. even remember what they're Literally selling. Literally three fourths through it, I was like, I have no idea what this is for, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, she was in a few of the Fast and Furious movies as part of the team, so she gets like her the, and the biggest scene she has in any of them is like she's gotta go woo some like drug lord of course and they're like by like the beach and she's talking to some dude and he's like how are we gonna get the code and she's like leave it to me and she like whips off her shirt and she's got like wearing a bikini and struts up there so that's yeah. a, it's a it's a notable scene um <laughs> anyway gal gadot in one room i hope it's good let's all get down on bend and knee and pray to our robot o- overlords that wonder woman's good because if it isn't good it's gonna be such a pain in the ass yes for like everyone, just <laughs> it will like you know, supporters I, or not. I once uh, years ago I did a thing. You know, I'm sure you follow the DC animated direct-to-video movies, yeah. many of which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some of which aren't so great, but most of them are pretty, pretty good. Uh, there's been a few cool Green Lantern ones, and the best one was the Wonder Woman one. So good! I just rewatched that recently. Yeah, actually. and who directed that? It was um, 
was it, it was Andrea what's her name who does all of them right Andrea Romano Andrea Romano yeah um, and I was at like a panel with all the DC animated bigwigs there uh, Bruce Tim was there and and all the other people and I said you know you've done a lot of these great ones but uh, the best one was the Wonder Woman for sure why haven't there been more of those and they're just like didn't sell yeah I'm like what do you mean this it's the best one the story is the best it's the and like eh to our audience which is I mean granted not the same as movie going on to the people who buy direct to video DC animated right, Blu-rays yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a niche of a niche of a niche right I, I actually Didn't, I saw that one at one of the Comic Cons that's where it was New York Comic Con where it yeah. premiered I saw it too and I just it, like the crowd went wild and I thought wow they finally like this will prove that they need to get on you yeah. know that live action movie yeah. um, Gail Simone wrote that one too right I think probably um, yeah, yeah. and it had so many great voice actors in it and everything and, and um, Nathan Fillion playing Steve Trevor yeah. was just like so great that was awesome um, but yeah and then I think what it did is it didn't sell enough initially like i think over time it actually did wind up selling uh-huh. just as much if not more as the other ones but because it didn't have that like first month oh, you know I numbers see. they were just like eh, okay so it built on word of mouth but it didn't there was still and this was also a few years ago this was like 2009 or yeah. so brian what year was that uh it was 2008 no 2009 you're right yes so and uh, I, it, it was directed by lauren montgomery not andrew romano oh yeah right right, right. right. And guess simone was one of the writers yeah um, there, that was, I mean, it didn't seem like a long time ago, but it kind of is a little bit in some of our cultural trends. Yeah, no, a lot has and, happened since then. <laughs> yeah, a lot has happened since then, and I think that maybe there was back then in the comics buying world still a bit of a, oh, Wonder Woman's lame, you know? Yeah. But, but, uh, it really, it's the best of those films that I've seen. Yeah. So, yeah, if they just crib from that, if they just take from that 68 minute animated thing and make it into a 128 minute, big feature with Gal Gadot I think we're in business well so. that, that's that's the interesting thing wondering what's going to happen after this movie because it's set during World War One. are they going to next go to World War Two, or are they going to skip ahead to modern times for the impending sequel right. theoretically um, I guess they're waiting to see how well it does because if you do that then all Steve Trevor's not going to be there all those other they characters that you built up a, in the first film a portal through time <laughs> okay well they would do like uh, Agent Carter in, in Marvel Right, but she's stuck back there. Agent Carter and Steve Trevor can get together. No, he'd still be too old because that's World War One. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know what they're gonna do. You're right. Um, well, they're gonna have their the, <laughs> if it's a huge success. Yeah. And people love the other characters. They'll figure out a way. Yeah. They'll bring him back. I'm sure. Portal through time always works. A boom tube. Isn't that what they call it in DC lore? Yeah, but that's not time. That's just space. Time and space. <laughs> They'll tweak it. Are there, are there no time tiles I guess in they DC? Could do. Um, I mean, well, you've got um, Rapunter, who's in the Legends of Tomorrow TV show, who has his, like, time ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. If they want to throw him in there. Yeah. Or um, Booster Gold, which they're doing a movie of, too. So They are? Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to read the nerdybird.com. I got to get more information. <laughs> well, listen, we're just about out of time, but thanks. This We could go continue to yeah, yap for a while. But, um Let's be in touch when Wonder Woman does come out. Will do. And also we'll be in touch when uh, Discovery comes out, mm-hmm. because hopefully uh, hopefully you'll like it. And if you don't like it, you'll have a good reason why you don't, and you can tell us why. How there does that go. sound? Yep. Awesome. So before we send you on your way, I'm going to beam you out again. <laughs> okay, so long. Hold on. Goodbye. <laughs> There she goes, shimmering in the night. 
Well, thanks again. You have now spent another hour listening to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. <clears throat> I want to thank you all for listening and um, buy all the products that we advertise on the show. And uh, be sure to tweet at me at, at Jay Hoffman. Oh, and tweet at Jill. At, wait, let me bring her back. Hold on. There, she's back. What's your Twitter handle again? Jill Pantosi. Oh, just your name. No <laughs> underscores? Well, if you go to the Nerdy Bird, I have two separate accounts. So if you go that one, you can find Jill Pantosi, which is slightly more difficult to spell. Which one would you prefer that we tweet you at? Jill Pantosi. Okay. But just saying it's easier if you find me the other way. It's fine. It's fine. It's two an Z- Italian long name. Two it's hard Z's, to- one I? Yes. All right. You're originally from New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. What part of Jersey? Jersey City. Oh, that's a that's a pretty notable part of New Jersey. <laughs> I like that because Brian's from New Jersey, also. You guys can share the bus back. <laughs> All right, we're gonna beam her out again. Thanks for joining, uh, and you can tweet at us at, at Jay Hoffman or at Jill Pantosi with two Z's, and we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.